to talk to you about a really simple thing, and, and I, I want to talk to you about love. And I was really, really moved. Actually, the whole conference this week I thought was really, really good. How many of you got to be a part of the conference this week? How many of you are you're from out of town someplace and you're and you're still here from the conference? Thank you so much for staying. We just really appreciate you. Yeah, let's just give them a hand and love on them. I I thought Doug Addison was hilarious. But he wasn't just hilarious. There was there was times when he was absolutely profound and and um I you know I uh, when we were putting together the conference um I I don't I think we've had Doug here speak in the school before, but I was thinking about that this conference needed to be about love and power flowing together, and I was thinking about, who do I know that's prophetic, that loves everybody? And I thought, well, it could be Dan Fairley, but... Dan Fairley told me one time, I think I've shared this several times, he said... We were in his office. We were talking about some other subject, actually. And he said, just, just you know, on another note, he said, I've never met anyone I didn't like. <laughs> I don't even remember what else he said after that. <laughs> Honest to God, I was so convicted. And I said, you've never met anyone you didn't like? And he goes like this. He goes, closes his eyes. He goes, no, not that I can think of. <laughs> I wouldn't have to close my eyes. I could keep them open. <laughs> I got a whole list right here in the journal. <laughs> it's like, it's so amazing. I said to him, lay your hands on me. <laughs> I need that so badly. <laughs> and uh, so I asked him about a year ago. Again, this was about five years ago. I said, you, you, you have anyone you haven't liked yet? And he said, no. Oh, bummer. <laughs> actually a good thing but I, I was really moved by Doug and and what he had to share I was the last session Friday night um, Stacy Stacy's uh, message on um, love really really touched me too and I, I think it's it was something I really needed and she she was talking about love and, and by the way if you didn't if you didn't hear that session I really I recommend you get them all but that session was really profound and you know how you can be sitting next to someone and they're like, that's the best message I've ever heard. And you're like, oh, really? It didn't touch me much. And so, you know, I realize that sometimes the Lord's speaking to us specifically through something that's happening. But uh, when she was talking about love and she, she said, um, she was talking about that she had the privilege of traveling the world and, and, and going in a lot of churches and working with a lot of leadership teams. And I, we've known Stacy and... and uh, Wesley for a long time, and she said, what I've found, she said, this is my observation, I found that most movements end because of jealousy and envy and strife, and she said, I find that the less gifted people are, the less they compete. The more gifted they are, the more they tend to compete. Now, she wasn't making a theological statement, she was just saying, this is my observation. And it touched me so deeply that I'm gifted. I'm like, whoo, I'm out of the woods. I just don't like people. <laughs> no, I'm joking. It touched me so deeply the way she, the way she, was, the way she brought love into the, her, her message and, and the way she talked about love, what love looks like. And 
The, the other message that I, that I remember that so powerfully, I, I've been with Heidi three or four times in the last year and a half, Heidi Baker, and uh, we've done, uh, she's done a couple of conferences here, um, and then we were, we've been on the road two or three times together, and I think three times I've heard her speak a similar message. Um, she says, it's called, her message is called, Love Looks Like Something. Have you, have you heard that message from Heidi? And the first time I heard it, the first and second time I heard it, it just, I was just sitting there, and she was talking about that love needs to look like something. Like, I can't say, I love you, and it, you, 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 you can't connect with it. You know, you know, how many of you have got a letter, and the first paragraph of the letter, people are telling you how much they love you? And you know the rest of the letter is going to be really bad. Like, I love you, and then there's the but. <laughs> and I think it should have two T's. <laughs> and, and, but Heidi's message uh, about love looks like something, and she, she, she talks about how she sits in the dirt with people in, in Africa. And, I, and I've been there. I was just there with her last year. Um, the end of last year, I took my oldest granddaughter, and we went out, way out in the, they call it the bush bush, we went out, way out in the bush bush, and, and Heidi, you know, this beautiful princess, was sitting in 100, probably 105, 110 degree heat, you know, 80% humidity, and we were just soaked with sweat, you know, sitting in the middle of the hottest, just in the middle of the village with no shade at all, just loving on people for hours at a time. And we got in the Land Rover to go to the prison, and she said, I, I just love doing that. And I'm like, I just endured till the end so I could be saved. <laughs> she kept saying, come over here and sit with me. I'm like, I'm good right here and, uh, in the shade. And so, um, so I, I want to just talk a little bit about love. This will be really simple, and it won't be long. Um, I got my little timer going so that I'm not hopefully going to be long. Um, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I, I just want to take Paul's description of love, and I want to just put it in the, in the setting. This weekend, we, this last week, I'm sorry, we had a prophetic conference, and so we talked a lot uh, in different sessions about prophecy, and uh, Doug was talking about, you know, um, trans. Uh, translating, uh, interpreting prophetic tattoos. How many were in that session? I wasn't in that session. Was it awesome? I mean, awesome. I just thought I'd get a tattoo just to see what he, what he, what he said. But 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you know, the interesting thing about this chapter as we shared in the conference is that 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 12 begins with now concerning spiritual gifts and 1 Corinthians 14 uh, begins with pursue love yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts. And so in, sandwiched in between those two chapters, and how many of you know that this was not written as chapters in the beginning? Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthians. It was not broken up into chapters. So in the midst of Paul's passion for the Corinthian church to move profoundly in power, he began to think about the motivation for power. And he wrote these verses that we have in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. As it, he, he wrote them as the motivation for power. And, and we've been teaching for a long time that the gifts of the Spirit are the love language of God. And uh, that when you get healed, you should feel kissed by God. When you get prophesied over, you should be embraced by God. And I was thinking about this again in light of um, Stacy's message on, on uh, Friday night. 
that um, we have a lot of negative prophecy happening uh, it all, you know, all over the world. It's very common to prophesy judgments and, and that sort of thing. And you know, people are always you know, writing me and saying, you know, well, the Old Testament prophets did this, and there's this verse here. And, and, and I was thinking about, and they, and they want like, justification for, how can you always say positive things to people? And then, and then when Stacy was preaching, I started thinking about, this is, this is what love does, and in fact, let's just read a chapter, uh, chapter 13, verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. And before I go on, I want to stop for a second and say this. Now, I love these words, but do you realize that he's saying this in the midst of teaching them about prophetic, supernatural ministry, about healing, about deliverance, especially about prophecy. So as he said, I would that you'd all speak in tongues, but especially that you'd prophesy. So most of the verses in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 are dedicated to prophecy. And the midst of teaching them about moving in the gifts of the Spirit, in, that, in the midst of that, he says this, love is patient. In other words, prophecy should have something to do with patience. It should have something to do, love is kind. Prophecy should be kind. Love is not jealous, it does not brag, it is not arrogant, it does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, it is not provoked, it does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Listen to this, bears all things, this is about prophecy, it bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. Love never fails. Now, I want to read it out, those same verses out of the Message Bible. Um, love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for itself. Love doesn't want what it cannot have. Love does not strut and does not have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first and doesn't fly off the handle. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others. I love this part. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others. It doesn't revile those. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't revile when others gravel. Take pleasure, but it takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. It puts up with anything. Trust God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. I love this verse. Puts up with anything. Trust God always. Looks always looks for the best. Never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Man, that's such a great. Think about that, if we could have that at the center of who we are when we minister. That love never gives up. It never looks back. It never takes into account a wrong suffered. It isn't jealous. It, 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 uh, this, uh, this part, it, uh, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. This is, this is, the, this is the core, these are the core lenses that we should be looking through when we when we interact with the world, when we interact with, I was going to say with our brothers, but how many of you know the world needs love too? <laughs> the, world needs, the, the world needs love. The world needs, the world needs a, a touch of hope. And um, we've, had the, we've had the privilege recently of being able to minister to some people who, um, who are, 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 are in, in the world's eyes powerful and influential. And we were having a discussion um, I think it was a couple of months ago, we were talking about uh, how we were getting invited into some of these places, and, and somebody said, you know, it's, it's really like, 
the gifts of the Spirit that are getting us in there. Like we're, we're, we're seeing some of these you know, um, political people and business people and wealthy people. And, you know, God loves everybody. So we're, this, I'm just like letting you in on a discussion we were having about this particular place we were at. And we were having that discussion and how the gifts of the Spirit were actually opening the door for us. You know, a man's gift will make room for him, bring him before kings and great men. And as we were interacting, we came to this place where we started talking about, no, it's not the gifts of the Spirit only. It's the way in which we are applying the gifts of the Spirit. When we come into somebody's house, we are looking for good. Look at this. This back to the Message Bible. It doesn't force itself on others. It's not always me first. It doesn't keep score. It puts up with anything. It trusts God always. It always, this is the verse I was looking for, it always looks for the best. It never looks back. It always looks for the best. It, you, um, Proverbs uh, says this. Um, it says something really powerful. I hope I wrote it down. I did right here. Proverbs says, The plans of a man are like deep water, but a man of understanding draws them out. What happens when we encounter people with the love of God and the power of God? Instead of looking for what they're doing wrong, we begin to look for the plans that God has hidden deep in the heart of people. And we come into their lives and we begin to say, look what I found in you. How many of you know, I I believe the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. But we convict the world of the glory they fell short of. We say, there's something amazing about you. There's, 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 There's gold hidden in those hills. People, young people come to me all the time. They're like, I'd love to have a ministry. Like, how do I get started? And they're thinking like, how do I get a mailing list? How do I get invited someplace? You know, how did you, you know, like, what's the, what's the secret? I'm like, this is your mission if you should <laughs> receive it. That you look for the gold in the dirt of people's lives. Like, you look, this is, we've preached this for years, but this is, this is the simplicity of my message tonight. That love is like this. This is what love is. Love is not looking for something wrong. Love is looking for something right. Love is, you know, how would you like to have a father or a mother or a boss? They're waiting for you to do something wrong. That's how it feels. So, I, that's, how, that's how the world views the church. They're waiting, you guys are, you, 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 you're all cops. And, and you're running around looking to give tickets to people who've done something wrong. I know that you're not like that. I know I'm not like that. I'm saying the world views us as people who care more about the law than they do about relationship. And it's coming from this whole thing of really, it boils down to not loving people, not looking for the best in people. And I'm as guilty as, as anybody is. And, and I feel like the Lord wants to just you know, bring us back or, or maybe just remind us or renew us. I mean, people are in different places here tonight. But that God wants to take us back to the main thing. And this is really Stacy's message I'm just repeating. That God wants to take us back to the main thing. That we love people. That we learn how to love. That we, that we find out how people connect. I, one of the things that Doug said that I thought was really, it was, it was really powerful. He was talking about connecting with people. And um, if you weren't there, he was talking about how he scans people. He's kind of doing this thing. He was hilarious. But it was profound. He was talking about how he, a- he asked people questions to see where they are. And, he's, and he'll say something like, I see that you're spiritual. And, and, um, and, and so how, how do you feel about spirituality? And, the, and if they say something about the church, he, he goes, well, they're, they're down here. And he speaks to them where they are. And it, it's, it's amazing how 
Um, it's important, like, one of the things that love does is love finds how you connect, and love connects at that spot. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like when you have children, you know? It's like love isn't like, son, come out and work on the car with me when your son's three. Love is getting down in the, in the sandbox and playing with them. That's how you're connecting with them. You're doing something that they can connect with. You're doing something they relate to. This recently, about, I guess, I guess it was probably about a year ago, actually, my daughter got horses. She's a pastor. She's a pastor's wife on the coast, and she got horses. And my wife used to work uh, on a horse ranch when she was really young. I, I met her when she was 12, so it was before that. And she's, since, the, since we've been married, 38 years, she's talked about horses. She's talking about, boy, someday I'd like to have horses. And we were coming back from Asia, and, and Jamie, my daughter, had texted her this whole thing about a, a picture of uh, a video, a little video of her horse and on, um, on message, her messaged a video of her horse and, and her riding. And, and Kathy was showing me this horse. Oh, this horse is so amazing. Look at this. And, and I said, why don't you get a horse? And she's like, no, nah, I can't care for it. So... We were on the plane for several hours. By the end of that flight, I said, I'm buying you a horse. And she said, well, if we're buying one, we, got, we have to have two. I was listening to those voices go the extra mile. So the short story is we end up with these horses. We have two horses. It's really, really, really made a huge difference in Kathy's life. I mean, she loves those horses. She gets up every morning at 6 o'clock and goes and feeds them, goes out there and spends time with them. We have supernatural horses, so you feed them one bale of hay and they poop too. <laughs> she goes out there and, and scoops it every morning, doesn't complain. It's just, but, but, I mean, it's just been amazing. She sends me videos today. I was in church. She sent me a video of the horses. This is the, what we did with the horses this morning, Austin. <laughs> um, um, you know, people come up to me all the time. They said, ah, oh, I heard you got horses. I said, no, we don't have horses. She has horses. <laughs> like, oh, do you love horses? I, no, I love my wife. <laughs> I don't love horses. I don't even like horses. Uh, the horses like me. They, don't, they obviously don't know me. They're like Dan. Like they've never met anybody they didn't like. <laughs> And so we have these horses, and, and I, I think it's, um, for me, it was, it was, I was telling my son just yesterday, I said, I wish I would have done this five years ago. We had property five years ago, we could have done it five years ago, because of the way that it's affected her, and how much fun she has, and she comes in every, every day, and she's like, oh, I had a ride, oh, I fed the horses, oh, and I'm thinking, man, I wish I would have done this a long time ago. I, um, Bill is the most generous person I've ever met. If you tell Bill you like something, if it's like below a certain amount of money, you'll probably get it. So all of his kids know it, so do I. I'm like, I like knives. And I think Bill's bought me like three custom knives. And, um, you know, the other day I came home uh, from a trip, and Bill was on a trip, and I, I've been talking about, I said, oh, I'd love to have a Corvette someday. You know, I've dreamt about having a Corvette when I was a kid. And no, he didn't buy me a Corvette. <laughs> That's over the line. 
And I came home, and he, uh, on my desk was a, was a book about Corvettes. It's just, it, it just caring. There's something about caring. You know, that book said, and Bill, Bill don't even like Corvettes. That book said, I care about what you care about. This is really simple. I'm simply saying, like, loving people on a level that they can actually connect with is really important. It's really important. And, um, and I, I think that, I think one of the greatest fears we have in life is that we're going to reach out to somebody and they're not going to reach back. One of the greatest fears in life that we have is that we're going to email somebody that we really care about and they're not going to email back. They were going to say hi, they're not going to say hi back. There's this, there's this intense fear that you know, some, some of us live with that I'm going, to, I'm going to say hi to you and you're not going to say hi back. It's funny, my students, uh, first year students, when they first come to school, uh, the first two or three months, I'll walk right past them, They'll, I'll be walking through a crowd, I'm obviously their teacher and the leader of the school, and they will look down and not say hi. Not say hi. Uh, it, like, it bothers me. So I said one day to Mark and Jason, I said, well, I don't know why this really weird thing, I'd be walking through a crowd of students, and I, I would be like having to push them out of the way, and they will not say hi, and they will not look me in the eyes. And, and Jason said, that's because they're afraid that you won't say hi back. They have so much value for you, that they're afraid they'll say hi, and you won't say hi back. We have this need to be loved. This is not complicated. We have, this, we have a need to be loved, and we have a need to be loved in a way we, it, that's felt. Do you know what I'm saying? And um, How many of you know that love requires things that the law doesn't require? <laughs> I was talking to one of my students, um, this is uh, some, a year ago or so, in an, he was actually in another state. And uh, he'd graduated a couple of years before. And he said to me, we were eating dinner together with his family. And he said to me, um, you know, uh, Jesus, he said, do you believe in the finished work of the cross? And I'm like, this is my student. He knows what I believe. He was three years with me. Do you believe in the finished work of the cross? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. This sounds like a trick question. Because <laughs> I know the right answer is yes, but the fact that you're asking me after three years of school tells me I'm not sure what the right answer is. He said, do you believe in the finished work of the cross? And I said, what does the finished work of the cross mean to you? He says, the finished work of the cross, Jesus did it all on the cross. I said, I believe that. He said, so he said, like, do you believe you have to ask for forgiveness when you do something wrong? I said, I don't know. What does that mean to you? <laughs> I know the right answer. I just like, what, why, would, why are you asking these questions? What? He said, well, I believe that, and, that G, when Jesus, he forgave us. And he said, and I, I don't believe you have to ask for forgiveness for, for anything you've done wrong again, ever. I said, oh, that's cool. And I said, well, why would you not ask for forgiveness? He said, well, because Jesus did it all. Uh, and uh, he said, and I said, well, that's kind of, that's a new doctrine. I was trying to, you know, figure out where is he coming from. And uh, so he said to me, do you think he can see that I, I wasn't quite agreeing by the look on my face? It seems like I can't. That's where Bill and I, you can't tell what Bill's thinking. He'd be a great poker player if he wasn't a Christian. 
me, I can tell. Cards. These are good ones. <laughs> I can't hide it. I'm just like. And he said, well, do you believe, by, I guess by the look on my face, he said, well, do you believe that if you sinned and you didn't ask for forgiveness that you would go to hell? I said, I don't know. I didn't receive Jesus to not go to hell. I received Jesus to have a relationship with him. I said, I didn't get married so that I could figure out how much I can do with not get divorced. I got married because I'm in love with this woman. And so I, I, don't, I, don't live like, I don't live to not get divorced. I live to have a relationship. So I'm not running around thinking, I wonder if I do this, if she'll leave me. I don't think like that. And I don't think like that with the Lord. I don't think like, okay, now, let me find a verse where I don't have to ask. I mean, I said to him, why would I not ask for forgiveness? If, if, I, would, if I did something wrong to my wife, I, would, I wouldn't even think of not saying, would you forgive me? Why would, I, why would I not do that with my God? He said, well, I don't think you have to. I said, we're not talking about have to. We're talking about a relationship. See, you're talking about the law. The law says, I don't have to. Relationship says, you better. <laughs> love requires more than the law. Love, love requires me to lay down my life. And uh, it's, you know, it's interesting to me how um, people view love. Like, love is like, people say, I, I, fought, I fell in love. I'm like, listen, I understand that I get that, and I, I, I don't think it's completely wrong. Follow me for a minute. If you fall in love, you can fall out of it. I think you grow in love. I think you make a choice for love. I don't, I don't, I, my emotions don't tell me when I'm in love. I tell my emotions when I'm in love. I tell my emotions how to feel. See, I'm, I love that person. See, you need to like, turn that on right now, because I'm loving them. Ah, oh, we don't feel love. That's all right. We're, we're loving right now. We're loving them. And so, it, it, and it's, it's amazing to me how often we allow our feelings to guide our decisions and how we interpret love. Like love's some kind of like, ah, oh, this kind of, you know, thing out there somewhere. And, and when Paul talks about love, he talks about things I can relate to. Love is patient. Okay, when I'm being impatient, I'm not being loving. Love is not jealous. When I'm jealous, I can't be jealous and say, I love you, because Paul said, love is not jealous. So I'm not being loving. Love doesn't take, into wrong, doesn't take a, a, a wrong into account. We used to have these things. We learned a lot of this from Bill uh, it, when in our early days of marriage. We called it rules of war. That wasn't Bill's. That was my, I put, gave it a title. I'm going to do a book about Bill's message. It's my title. And, and he, he, one of the things he taught us was that don't let the sun go down in your anger. And so we took that to mean if you have a disagreement, you have an argument, that you have to fix it before you go to sleep. <laughs> so we had a lot of early days, we had a lot of long nights. <laughs> and another thing we learned from Bill is that if you have a disagreement, you can't bring yesterday's conflict into today's, into today's problem. Like when you forgive, you can't use it again. Like, you get to use it once. That's it. It's, it's you, know, you know what I mean? 
get to use it only one time. So if you have a problem, like, you know, they didn't pick up their socks last week, and then, and you talked about it, and you know, like, I feel devalued, whatever the problem is, and you said, okay, you know, would you forgive me? And you forgave them, and they left their socks there a week later. You can't say, you always do that, because you, you forgave the other times. So you can only talk about what you did this time. Because love restores the standard. Forgiveness restores the standard. And love rewrites your history. And so we hold people oftentimes in their past. We hold them in their past. Like we know them a long time and we have this case file. We have this case file and we wonder why. <laughs> we wonder why we have struggles. It's like we carry around this, this backpack with all of the, okay, I'm going to go visit you. I'm going to keep all the stuff that I, that ever, but listen, love doesn't take into account a wrong. It doesn't remember a wrong. Even if I remember, I don't hold it against you. I don't use it against you. Love lets people grow up. Are you with me? And I I was thinking about, and and I think I'm going to finish with this. Love, love, uh, I'm going to turn this off because it's about to go off. Um, I was thinking about how, you know, in in Ephesians chapter 5, it says, first, first it says, submit yourselves to one another. The next verse says, Wives, submit yourselves to your husband. Next verse, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And it goes on to say that a husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church and laid down his life for her. It's interesting to me that in much of the Christian world, we will emphasize submission when marriage and when it comes to husbands and wives, the husband is commanded to love his wife. And what's it supposed to look like? Die. How many of you know when you get married, you're on a death march to a life camp, men? <laughs> you're supposed to die for her. She's supposed to submit to you. And, and our whole culture is, much of the Christian culture, is, it revolves around the woman submitting and the, and the man still alive. I think a woman could submit to a dead guy. It's just that you're you're still alive. That's the problem. We get married to somebody. I I can't tell you how many sessions I've heard people speak about this. And they're like, okay, now, they're they're talking to the husband and wife. I'm not talking about here either. I haven't heard this here. But they're they're counseling the potential, you know, these, these two people who are engaged and are about to get married. And they say to the wife, you know, your, your job is to give up your career and your desire, and to follow your husband. I'm like, that's really weird. I thought Paul said the opposite. <laughs> I, thought the, I thought Paul said, guy's supposed to die and make sure she... Didn't, didn't Jesus die for the church? Didn't he lay down his life so we could live? So how come she lays down her life so he can live? So she has to submit and lay down her life so he can do whatever he wants, and this is a marriage. This is a perversion of love. No, I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. This is where I repeat myself. I can hear it again. I'm doing it again. This is where I repeat myself because you give me that look. This is why I do it. It's your fault. 
And I'm saying this has to do with the way we interpret love. Like we're like, love is like this feeling. Life is like gooey. Love is like, ah. And Paul's, no, no. Love is like, I lay down my life for you. Love has to be felt. Love needs to look like something. Love can't be jealous. It can't, it, it can't take into a wrong uh, account. It, 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 it serves, it believes all things. It bears all things. It hopes all things. It never dies. It never fails. And so when I come into a marriage as a man, and listen, I, this is, let's say this. Let's, let's agree that both have to sacrifice. I understand that. But the emphasis in marriage, for instance, is not on submission of the wife. It's on the love of the husband. There's eight verses about dying. There's one verse about the woman, like, submitting. And yet we come in here and we shout submit and we whisper love. And I see a bunch of live people in here. A bunch of live men. And I'm saying, listen, this is, this is all about like, love. Guys, this is ma- about marriage. Love looks like something. And for you, for a guy, it looks like, what is her dream? Does she like horses? Does she need freedom? What does she love? Well, I don't know. I mean, she married me. She gave up the... Her life, you know, she gave up the good life for me. No, she shouldn't have. She should have married a prince who rescued her from the prison of boredom <laughs> and put her on a white horse and took her to the palace of her dreams. And I understand it has to be both ways. And I'm trying to use it as a metaphor. Can you see what I'm saying? We have all these other things that have taken place. But the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, and love. That doesn't even say faith, hope, submission, and love. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So why do we emphasize everything else? And why do we define love? So that it's just a feeling. And tonight I'm like, you know, I'm in a soul search to be honest, this is coming out of my own search um, just over the last year or two. I feel like the Holy Spirit's like shining light on things in my life that shouldn't be there. And I, I, it gets really complicated. And then Friday night, I just felt like the Lord said, you know all that complicated stuff? Like, why are you jealous? Like, why are you competing? Why are you doing all that? You know, you're trying to figure all that out. Actually, the problem is you just don't love. You just need to love. When you feel competition, you just, you're just not loving. You're just not being loving. How many of you know that being the best in the world is competition? Being the best for the world is loving. I want to be the best for the world. I don't want to be the best in the world because then I'm competing with you. Would you stand? I just want to pray for you. I think it was Bill today, as one of the team today, I think it was Bill, was talking about the simplicity of the gospel. This is so simple and yet so profound. Like loving people is finding ways to love people. I remember when we were about eight years married, we were living in the woods, and I bought Kathy, I know you're not going to believe this, but 
for Christmas, I bought her a chainsaw. <laughs> Bill believes it. Everybody who's been with me any length of time believes it. You know why I brought her, bought her a chainsaw? This is the truth. Because I didn't understand that because I wanted it, it wouldn't interest her. I thought, well, if I want a chainsaw, certainly she would. I was like, the sixth love language. <laughs> it's too hard to figure out how to love you. I'll just like, figure out what I need, and then I'll do that for you. It's like, she opened it. I remember she, it was under the tree for about a month, and she was so excited because it was heavy and long, and it looked like something. <laughs> and she opened it up, and she was, you know, we all know my wife. Like, she doesn't have an enemy, and she was trying to act excited. She's like, oh, and it's got a 32-inch blade. You know, the truth is, as soon as she opened it, I knew I, knew I had done something wrong. I did. How many of you guys, you know what I'm talking about? Like, it, it like, right before she opened it, I was excited. And when she opened it, the look on her face... And the way she was trying to act excited, I'm like, I screwed that up really bad. <laughs> Note to self. Horses. I did good. I got two horses. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just thank God for me. <laughs> Get some credit for something like did right once in a while. I certainly have confessed every sin I've ever done publicly. Listen, you don't need to go on a website against me. I'll tell you more than they know. Seriously. I got on the website, one of those websites one day that was against Bill and I, and I wrote, I have a bunch more information if you need it. I did. And I wrote, most of the stuff you have there isn't bad, isn't, is, is not true, but the stuff I've done is way worse. <laughs> and they wrote for two days, and I'm like, I shouldn't have done that. That really stirred them up. I just thought it was so funny. The stuff they had on there wasn't nearly as bad as what I had done. So let me just pray for you all. <laughs> but did you hear the part, the stuff they have on there, I didn't do. Okay, I'm not a heretic. Well, I don't think I am. <laughs> Just put your hands out like this. <laughs> Why was that funny? I'm moving out of being funny. Now we're like 38 minutes and I'm supposed to be done. I'm praying for you right now. I'm praying for you right now. So Lord, I just release... Real, real conviction over us in areas, Lord, where we, we need to love. And, and, and I pray for creative ideas of, of how to know how to love different types of people. I'm not joking. I'm serious. I pray, God, that you would teach us how to love. That you would teach us how to love. That you would teach us the love languages of people that we would... Some people need a, a cup of water. Somebody else needs a hug. Whatever it is, Lord, that you would help us to be sensitive. Holy Spirit, that you would help us to be sensitive to the need. And that everything we do would flow out of this core of love. Every 
spiritual gift that flows out of our life would say, I love you, would say, Jesus loves you, would say, you were born to be adored, you were born to be loved. Father, I I pray for that. Every single person in this room, I pray for that. And, and, you know, the Bible goes on to say, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So how many understand that we, we have to take these things that Paul said, and we have to also apply them to our own life? We can't hold ourselves in bondage. We have to forgive ourselves. We, have to, we can't keep a wrongdoing in, on, against our own selves. And, and sometimes, sometimes we, we're, the, we're, our worst own, we're our worst critics. And so, Lord, we pray. I pray for... I pray for each of us that we would be able to take these, these attributes of love and that we'd be able to love ourselves. We'd be able to accept ourselves. We'd be able to like ourselves. We'd be able to have this sense that if you got to know me, you would like me. Because I like me. Because God made me. I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. I was made to be a, a son of God, a daughter to the king. Yes, that's, that's what we are. Thank you, Father. I, I release people from all, all the years of striving, rules we kept, and people never felt touched. We joked about it a little bit tonight, but I, I pray for husbands to be able to love their wives as Christ loved the church. I, I pray as, as a husband myself, teach us how to love the women that you've placed in our lives to care for your, your daughters. Father, I pray too for our wives that they would also learn to love. And God, we learn to love our children. That, that just the this, this simplicity of the gospel would be it'd be assimilated into every place of our life. In Jesus' name.